From the over-the-top studios in Boulder, Colorado, we are talking transcontinental bike race with Doug Migdon. Doug, last time we chatted, I had the feeling you weren't going to do this event again, but uh, you surprised us all. Well, George, it was a little too hard to resist. Um, it was just a great event the first time, and uh, I figured I had at least one more in me, so I went for it. And uh, what did you think of the, well, there is no set course, but what did you think of this year compared to last year? You know, it was equally as difficult and dangerous, but also equally as spectacular. However, it was very, very different. This year, uh, there was a lot more climbing, but it was shorter. And the cool thing about this race is that everybody's route is potentially different, although, you know, people tend to gravitate towards certain routes between checkpoints. And the weather can be different for different people. Uh, you know, for example, the fourth checkpoint parkour, uh, the dormitory in Montenegro, I felt like I almost died up there, literally. I got stuck in a storm in the dark, and it was just it was just horrible. And other people had sun, you know, where, you know, they spent the night up there or something, and the stars, or, you know, it was sunshine, they were sunning themselves. So, uh, um, you know... Uh, so it was very, very different for me, uh, but, you know, just as fantastic. Now, what makes this event special for you? Is it more the difficulty or more the danger? Well, I don't want to emphasize the danger. I think the organizers actually do an excellent job of trying to limit that. But, you know, there are inherent dangers to something like this. Well, I'll give you an example. This year... Um, the first checkpoint was uh, in France, um, sort of mid, mid-southern France, the Col de Sassant. Um, and we went from there over uh, sort of north and east to uh, Grindelwald, the Swiss Alps, to the second checkpoint in parkour, which uh, was like 40-something miles with 10,000 feet of climbing, included the Grossi Scheidegg, the Grimsel Pass, and the Furka Pass. Um, then the third checkpoint was the Paso Jao and the Dolomites. So most of us went high. We crossed the Swiss Alps uh, into the Dolomites. Some people went south from checkpoint two to Como into the valley and then went back up. It was longer but less climbing. Um, so anyway, so I uh, went there on the third checkpoint and then... Uh, a couple days later, I found myself on the M5 screaming towards Sarajevo in the middle of the night with a tailwind trying to beat an oncoming storm. You know, what race do you do anything like that? You know, uh, you know, checkpoint two in the Swiss Alps, checkpoint three in the Dolomites, and then a few days later, you're screaming towards Sarajevo in Bosnia. You know, on an unsupported bike race by yourself. It's just amazing. Now, what and, did and you're you not learn even... in 2015 that helped you out in 2016? Well, I learned that I think almost everybody's going to make a lot of mistakes. you got to be prepared for that. Um, I also spent a lot of time on the road this year sort of thinking about what I was good at and what I wasn't good at, and I decided that I was good at suffering. And uh, 
Um, you, you know, Christoph mentioned this, and Christoph Algard, who won it in, uh, I think, eight days, 15 hours, as compared to my uh, seven days, 12 and a half hours. I'm sorry, 17 days, 12 and a half hours. And the last place, people that just finished today at, uh, I think, 27 days and change. Anyway, you know, he mentioned this in an interview uh, as well about suffering. You got to be able to suffer on this thing. And um, uh, at the same time, I think a lot of events, people want to do them for the achievement. But this is the kind of event that I think a lot of us, we really enjoyed it. I mean, we, it wasn't just the achievement. It was just, it was just doing it, too. And even though I had, you know, like, for example, on the fourth checkpoint on the Dermator in Montenegro, I had, you know, crappy weather and felt like it was the closest I ever came to dying on a bike, seriously. Um, I wouldn't trade that experience in retrospect for anything. You know, because uh, I learned a lot about myself. It was a great experience. It was a great challenge. Prospectively, I wouldn't choose it, of course. But, you know, having survived it, it was it was really good. Now, you said this course was different, more climbing than last year. Did you prefer one over the other, excepting the dogs and turkey from last year? Well, we had dogs and turkey this year, too, uh, and Greece as well. Um not really. I was actually surprised when I finished this year that my uh, that I felt like um, this was an equally great experience, but at the same time said, "Hey, for me, it was really different." Um, you know, there's a certain transcontinental race framework that is similar between the two years, but. It was just, it was really different. Um, This year I went through 12 countries again. Uh, Belgium, France, Italy, Switzerland, Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia, Montenegro, Macedonia, um, Kosovo, then Macedonia, then Greece. I think I left out Switzerland, then Turkey. Uh, Last year, I went through Albania and Serbia as well. So I didn't do Albania and Serbia this year. Um, that was just my route. Some people this year went into Austria. Some people did Albania. Some people did uh, Bulgaria. You know, there are a bunch of options. Uh, the other thing is, last year it finished in Istanbul. And the allure of Istanbul and that experience was great. But I'm not so sure I would have done it again if it finished in Istanbul this year. Going into Istanbul was very hard. It was very dangerous. There were big trucks. There were a lot of dogs. There was road construction for that third airport they're building and this year we had this fantastic finish where we um went from the border well those of us that went through greece uh the greek uh turkey border uh i think it was Kaysan is the name of the place Kaysan or Kajan, can't remember exactly and then we went south uh through the Gallipoli uh peninsula to Exeobot, uh, well, that's the ferry I took. There were three uh, ferry options. And then across to Chinakoli, uh in Turkey still, but in Asia. And that's where the finish was, at the clock tower, the Sat Kalusi in Chinakoli. And that was just fantastic to hop on that ferry and realize you're done. And then you're in Asia. Now, what and, are your uh, feelings at the finish? Do you just feel overwhelmed and 
uh, a huge sense of accomplishment or are you looking back thinking, gosh, I could have gone faster if I had done this, this or this? Well, I think both. Uh, you know, this year there was a tailwind for that last 60-80K on the Gallipoli uh, Peninsula. And um, I had some legs in me. I had been, I got sick on this TCR. I had that fall last year on my sacrum in the B&B. This year I, I got some bad gastrointestinal illness uh, about day four. I think I had some bad curry at checkpoint one, but I'm not sure. And um, I had a bad gastrointestinal illness where I couldn't keep anything in for days. Um, and it was, it was, it was not pretty uh, on that Swiss parkour. I probably had less than 1,000 calories to do 10,000 feet and 44 miles. You know, I had three pit stops on the Grimsel Pass alone. It was it was not pretty. So uh, I was challenged, and I actually found myself getting stronger towards the end because I was recovering from that um, illness. And um, so I had some legs. Uh, it doesn't seem like very far, but I did 440K in the last 31 hours, including three hours of sleep, leaning against the wall at the border between Greece and Turkey, and preceded by only three hours sleep. Uh, in Sarah's Greece, um, and that was pretty good for me, and average like 27K per hour those last three or four hours uh, into the finish, so that was fun having the tailwind. Um, last year, it was it was just, you know, uh, it, it, it was more a little bit more of a suffer fest at the end, but this year was was plenty of a suffer fest, too. I mean, we, a lot of us had some gnarly weather. There were a couple, some, couple bad storms. I got snowed on on the uh, Abula Pass in Switzerland. Um, it wasn't heavy snow, but it was snow. It was cold. Um, and, um, uh, you know, I had plenty of good weather, too. I mean, the scenery on this thing is just, it's just, it's just spectacular. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't think there's anything like it on the planet. When you add up the number of racers, uh, the scenery, the countries, the cultures, um, you know, just the, the, the different kinds of experiences. I was coming out of Bolzano, Italy, and uh, there was a course question I had, and I ran into some guy, and I said, and it turns out he spoke English, and he tried to tell me to go up into Austria. That I was going the wrong, I was going to go through some small tunnels. And he said, no, that's wrong, that's wrong. And I just, it just didn't seem right what he said. And it turns out he wasn't right, for my course anyway. Um, the same similar experience in Kosovo, um, I was going through some town, and some guy yells out, are you looking for whatever? And I said, yeah. And it turns out the guy lived in Chicago. Here he is in Kosovo. And he's telling me, and it turns out this guy was right. And I, and I, and I sensed he was right, and I went his way. And it's just those experiences, you, you know. And, and the same thing about people being nice. Um, as last year, I had a gas station attendant in Bihać, Bosnia, that let me sleep in his building. He not only let me sleep in his building, but he took a couple benches, he put them together and made this really comfortable bed. And uh, and I came up with a, a, a sort of mode of operation this year, and, and that is don't squander opportunity. When somebody makes you a bed and the conditions are right, sleep in it rather than move on. When you got the tailwind, go rather than stop. Don't squander opportunity. And I think that there are more choices on a race like this than other races about whether to use or not use that opportunity that might present itself. Does that make sense? It Absolutely. And speaking of opportunity, 
again, you seem kind of up in the air throughout part of the year about whether you do this again or not, but you went ahead and put your name in the lottery to see if you'd get uh, drawn and make the entry into TCR, and you did. Um, I know a number of people who tried to enter and, and were not selected. Um, is being a veteran a, a benefit to getting selected for the following year? Well, for people that are interested in doing this, uh, this is my understanding. In 2015, there were 200, there were, uh, the application period was open like for four hours before we shut it down. There were 200, uh, there were 350 applications for 250 spots. This past year, for 2016, I think he had, uh, uh, I think he had 600 completed applications for 300 or 350 spots. At the end, there were only 219 people on the start line, and I think that part related to concern people had about the coup, et cetera, the coup attempt. Um, but people dropped out. There is attrition. And I think the organizers, Mike Hall and Anna, who, again, did a fantastic job, I think that they sort of plan on a lot of attrition. But anyway, um, uh, the way he did it this year was that all veterans got in, um, whether you finished or not. Now, next year, my suspicion is he's going to have more applications. It's going to be harder to get in. I'm not even sure that a two-time finisher like myself is going to get in because I wasn't a contender. I think I unofficially I finished, I think, in 103rd place out of 219 starters. Uh, the other thing I should say is even the last year, almost half of the uh, starters didn't finish. And this year, the scratch rate was, uh, I think, just under 36%. For me, this year wasn't any easier. You know, so uh, people should not be lulled into thinking, oh, you know, this was an easier year because more people finished. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily work that way. And how are you going to top this event next year, or can anything ever uh, live up to this one? I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, I you know, I said last year I'd never do it again. I said this year, too. I, I'm not going to say anything right now because, you know, I've made myself a liar before. And I don't want to do that. But, uh, you know, if I don't do it, uh, and there's, you know, a good chance it's not a high probability I won't do it because it's hard and it's dangerous and I've been successful twice and I'm not a real strong, fast guy. I just, I try hard, I prepared hard, uh, and I was lucky. You know, I finished it twice. And, I, and, and you know, these were supposedly the two hardest of the four editions. So uh, I'm still pinching myself. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky. I feel privileged be quite frank with you privileged well i really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us about the 2016 transcontinental bike race thanks very much doug from boulder colorado i'm george thomas